1: Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Deney. This
2: is Gas Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen club, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A you will also get bonus content every month including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN so do please go to patreon.com forward slash graham hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you Friday England play their oldest rivals Scotland at Wembley. So we've dug deep into the big interview archives and unearthed the recollections of three men who engaged in two famous old enemy battles in the 90s. Had things turned out differently Darren Anderton might have ended up playing for Scotland thanks to his mother well-born father. In the end, he chose the country of his birth and played a key role in England's famous 2-0 win over Scotland at Euro 96 when he set up Gaza's incredible goal. I was going to read Gaza out as asterisks, but it doesn't work quite so well in an audio version. What pain. Darren tells us about that heady summer when three Lions topped the charts and anything, for England at least, seemed possible. From Scotland's perspective, we first hear from the mighty Gary McAllister, who featured in that match's pivotal moment. With the score 1-0 to England, Gary's penalty was saved by David Seaman. Gary Mack takes us back to that incredible moment and how it started an unlikely friendship or companionship with TV psychic Yuri Geller. Bend those forks. Three years later, Craig Brown's Scotland would restore some pride against England in the second leg of their playoff qualifier for Euro 2000. Scotland trailed 2-0 from the Hampden first leg and would ultimately go out, but not without a brilliant 1-0 Wembley win. The scorer and star of the show that night was the mighty Don Hutchison. Like Darren, Don was born in England to a Scottish father, but chose the right way, the, the dark blue. That night at Old Wembley was the pinnacle of Don's career and he relives it beautifully here with us. Scotland and England fans, enjoy this preview episode of the big interview and enjoy the match. May the better team win. You know which one I mean. I know that you've got a past that we're going to have to speak about that wears a different colour shirt, but are you available for the qualifying campaign and indeed for the Euro <laughs> Championships this summer? And, and what's your mental disposition to the country of the country of your heritage?
3: Well, yes, I would love to be available for that. Uh, job, job done. Uh... I, I, I always did think if, if I would up playing for Scotland, I might have got a few more
2: caps, to be fair. one hundred and thirty odd, it would have been absolutely <laughs> sure. And we'd have loved you. We'd have loved you so much. But I, ha- I have to start and pitch it to somebody who's been, who was just gigantic through your, your life and your career, and who patently was a man of character and, and good brain and to whom you are a lot. Your dad was born in Motherwell. Not everybody listening to this is is going to know where that is. But it was a traditional blue-collar, steel time, a real working time, where where men and women of character came from. If I talked about your dad as being um, down-to-earth, smart, (laughs) to the point, fun, quit hard, as Motherwell characters are supposed to, am I beginning to scratch the surface of that, that wonderful man?
1: Oh,
3: for sure. I think, I think you've said it all there. I mean, it's the perfect way to describe him. He really was very down to earth, um, kept things real, which was, of course, was very good for me uh, as I embarked on a, a career which, you know, lots of highs and lows, so it keeps you very grounded, especially in my early years when it felt like my career was just a, an upward curve of uh, many, many, many positives. But he was always there to have a little bit of a giggle and a joke about things and, and keep my feet on the ground. And, um, you know, he was a—he was my best friend, um, very honest. He always told me stories about how he used to play for Rangers. <laughs> and he'd make up these stories. And, and I would go on um, journeys with him, to Scotland when he did his removals and it would be like uh, over, you know overnight stays and I just obviously I just loved it and it was him and his workman, man his pal John and my dad would just tell these stories uh, and I believe them I believed them all that my dad was this footballer that played for Rangers and how he scored these goals and he did this and he did that and of course uh, once I started getting to 10-11 I'm playing in <laughs> football in the garden I realised just how useless my dad was funny enough when I did go up to Scotland for that trial um and i went up the night before and my dad took you know, he took, my sister came as well she was only little we drove up my dad took us you know to show me our eyebrows know, and showed showed me at the celtic park and all that and it was yeah so i i he didn't carp on about it in any way i knew he was scottish i knew you know he used to take me to watch southampton so i felt like that was probably like his team um but I knew that these stories and everything else, that he has a, you know, a strong bond with where he was from in Scotland. So what I was so appreciative, like hopefully you can tell, about what he had done for me, not just to become a footballer and have a chance of being one, but to the way that I grew up. And, you know, I was very spoiled to go that way because, you know, broken families can be really tough for kids. So... When the opportunity came that Graham and said, look, you know, Scotland, you know, they've been on the phone, there's some trial, they want you to go and do it. I was like, oh, yeah. And, and for that reason solely, I, I mean, in hindsight, I'm glad that it didn't work out. Of course, I didn't have to make that decision. But the sole reason I felt like I was doing it was a, a thank you
2: to him for what he had done for me. It's really nice. Thirty 265 are our sponsors, and they've asked, Their simple question is, what was it like to be part of the Euro 96 team that went all the way to the semi-final? I can say that as a Scot who, I'm proud of my nation and I like to see my club Aberdeen do brilliantly. They're the only one I support. But I was down in England, I was earning my living there. I was covering that England team and I found them exciting. But also I think that I don't know whether you were incarcerated away from what was going on in the country because it was an astonishing time. There was a sense of change, there was a sense of creativity, of energy. And clearly, if you were English at that time in you 96, there was this feeling of flowering, irrespective of the song and its coming home. It just seemed as if everything was clicking at the same time. I don't know if you were housed at Bisham Abbey or, or, or where you were, but I remember once speaking to Macca about that and him saying that as a northern guy coming down, he expected cliques, but Ted Buxton and Terry would make sure that everybody mingled after supper or whatever. I, I think Matches Where you want to But the feeling Of that That summer That incredible summer Darren You're a 96 The, the things that stand out For you
3: It's the feeling That you get from it That it gives you A little, a, a little tingle Just out. For that reason I think It all came together It started slowly So Terry Venables Yes And Ted Butts And Brian Ross There's no clicks They've been there done it the players of course it comes down to the players as well that they, we had eight or nine captains in that team they were incredible they were leaders you know there was no definitely no clicks everyone knew that they were top top players but also that it was a team and that comes down to Terry Venables making sure that happens giving you your, your night out even if it you know it didn't work out as it should getting abused by the media like we did became a little bit of a closed ship you know let's stick together no no. we're just not going to say a lot we're going to deal with it in-house exactly what Terry did you know he was going to give us another night off to go home or do whatever you wanted uh, what would have been after the Scotland game but because of the Switzerland game a couple of the boys got photographed coming out of a restaurant or a bar Terry just said look I just can't do it we'll bring all the families down and you can go and see them on a Sunday in the day and do whatever you want just be back for dinner at seven o'clock so you just respected that you knew that he couldn't let you go and have your night out after the Scotland game back to the hotel we'll have a few beers let's enjoy it we've got a game Wednesday that's that feeling of that that we were shut away but then when you left and you went to games and the the flags and the people on bridges going down the m40a40 towards when towards wembley as you got closer and closer and people and people it felt like you were part of something special you felt like you were a a rock star it was madness and whoever we were i mean gaza obviously had had all that no doubt about it but um no one ever experienced that no one was ever going to experience it again it was it was incredible and and then after the Scotland game and then the song comes on after the game and the whole crowd stay there and enjoy it that was the moment of course that mad minute where you know Scotland missed the pen and then Gaza goes and scores the one to go up the other end Um, that moment I feel that minute is what made that whole summer click
2: Number one mad minute and Gaza scoring because you're in it and we like to talk about football vision and intelligence in this so Again, Gary McAllister a guest in this series, and I was speaking to me. Actually, since his regards. I was speaking to him half an hour ago. <clears throat> He's now champion at Rangers with Steven Gerrard, and, and I thought, given what happened to him on that afternoon, it was it was bigger than to say please send Darren a bit, but he did. There's a penalty awarded. Gary, you'd have thought would be a a nine out of ten, eight out of ten finisher from 11 meters out. David Seaman, top class, might save it, but. Clearly, at the time, you can see it, it does roll. Gary has said that prior to the tournament, Yuri uh, Geller had said he put crystals all over the place. When we were interviewing Gary for the big interview, Yuri Geller phoned him during the interview. Literally, we're in Leeds as he's describing what happened. Now, that is spooky. But you're on the pitch, um, you've got the possibility of, of giving away a goal. David Seaman gets the ball. Can you remember, even if you have to make it up, asterisk? your thought process or, or did you have an established pattern when something might turn around in a game so it's a penalty do you, do you remember even thinking about where you have to move as David is getting the ball out which I think is to Teddy because famously you, you, you position yourself and you look to see where the ball might go should go I don't know maybe it's a blur or, or maybe your memories are just from having looked at it back but you, you were a funda- your brain and your vision were fundamental parts of that goal yeah yeah um... I mean,
3: the, the, the initial reaction is, oh, shit, what have we done? It's deja vu from the previous Saturday against Switzerland. I mean, we definitely played a bit better against Scotland up to that point. But it was a similar thing. You know, we started, we got the goal, then Switzerland came back into the game. So you, you're straight with think oh, no, we, we've blown it here. We're in big, big trouble. And I think if that goal goes in, the confidence completely drains out of us no doubt about it after what happened the week before so I mean what a moment then that lift and you know just running up the pitch of course i play played with Teddy now the relationship we have I know that he brings the ball down I'm against the thing I can you know you can see the run coming from Gazza Ted, pass pass up you know third man run Gazza's in you know it it's there. you can see it all happening in front of you. So as the ball comes to me, it's a, it's a pretty simple ball, you know, played into his path. And then you just think, I mean, I thought he was going to hit it, you know, with his left foot myself, but when he, it became slow motion. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh wow, this is going to, this is, this is the one. And of course, when you're involved in a goal as well, as well, that you, you would get that extra little bit of a buzz and, you know, I always enjoyed being part of setting up goals and that sort of thing which, which of course when it's a great goal like that it's, it's even, even better. In a game like that um, against Scotland with the, what we've already spoke about about my dad and everything so um, when it went in the, and then the celebration which just summed it up was just incredible. That feeling is one of the best feelings I've ever had because the pressure was so intense and the rea- the the feeling really was shit we're in big big trouble here you know Scotland would start to come into the game you know they, they they were looking strong so that moment is is everything to us and shows you what football's all about it's all about little moments you could have played great and of course against Holland everything we did went right but um, that's that moment, that is exactly what was going through in my mind.
2: Do you think of Gaza? this is supposition, do you think of Gaza's not playing in Scotland then, he doesn't choose the impish thing? Because I've always felt, because he'd been astonishing in Scotland, he'd been genuinely, and he'd begun to enjoy himself so much, and he felt you king know, of the walk. He was mucking around with McCoyst and Gore, I and mean, up there it was just, you know, him but he's got gore at the beat. It's Colin Henry. I, I think he's, if it's against any other side, he probably takes the, the easiest, coolest finish, but because it's Scotland, he's like, get ready.
3: Every chance. I mean, because the boys used to wind him up about it and then, you know, oh, what, you, won the, you won up in Scotland and all that. So they used to get all sorts of grief from the boys in the camp and that. So, But you could sense it before the game. You know, he's mucking around with Koisty and, and, and Andy Gorham. You knew he was desperate to score against Gorham. Absolutely desperate. And to do something like that, and genius. I mean, that's exactly what it was. Uh, absolute, that's, you know... The first game he hadn't played great. He got all the stick because he was the main man for the dentist chair out in Hong Kong and all that. And he, did, he, did, he didn't say anything. He didn't retaliate. He just got on with his football and did what you should do. You answer on the pitch. And, it you know, it, the perfect story for Gazza to score against Scotland.
2: Before the rest of this big interview... I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rodgers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing
3: mint mobile unlimited premium wireless how to get 30 30 get 30 how to get 20 20 20
0: to get 20 20 get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com
2: even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things The last few episodes, we've talked a lot about penalties, mm-hmm. and I don't mean Wembley. We talked, um, well, I'll
1: tell you about Michael Wembley Carrick.
2: My phone was nearly just
1: went off there, Uh-oh. and there's a chap that still to this day calls me staking his claim that he made the ball move. <laughs> And if you want to look at the... people ask me, what's the best what's the best contact you've got on your phone? I've got Yuri Geller, who's still sending me... No, it's me. not Yuri. I don't that, believe when, when Yuri. This, when this pops up on, on the radio, he'll have his people, and he'll be back on...
2: <laughs> God bless him. He'll be, he'll be on saying, I made Gary talk about that. Yeah, he's... And, yeah. And, and listen, folks, all you subscribers at the beginning of you, there is a weirdly shaped fork on the table here that when we began chatting... Was straight. <laughs> it's funny, like you, you beautifully. I don't know if that's attractive. You battered me off course on the penalty muscle mm-hmm. memory thing because when I moved down to London, at the Daily Mail I had to cover England for my sins, mm-hmm. which was great. It was absolutely fabulous. And Yuri was about, and Yuri either by invitation of Glenn, who had no other strange. T- oh yeah, and Yuri, um, Yuri was planting crystals in four corners of the 1998. Stadia to make sure that England couldn't lose. And when they beat Morocco or Tunisia, Tunisia yeah. in the first game in Marseille, where Glenn puts David Beckham on the bench, um, Yuri claimed the credits saying oh. they, they couldn't score because I had to, I didn't know he did a in at Euro ninety six. Oh yeah, he's he, Yuri. I'm not impressed.
1: He made the he made the ball move. And, oh. and you know, and, and I don't know, you know, there's, there's a point when, you, when you're when you a penalty taker yeah. there's a point of no return when you're a penalty taker yeah. when you plant your standing foot and for me I, I, I still as I'm going down to hit the ball I'll still have a little look under here to see if the keeper's moving his feet and trying to go really early and try to read it but then when you're upon the ball you, you, okay. you know so when I see the ball moving mm-hmm. half a ball mm-hmm. you, you can imagine there's a million things in a millisecond, I'm thinking: if I stop, I'll fall over the ball. I'm mm-hmm. at Wembley. I'm playing. I'm captain. Of <laughs> Please country. On, that's, not so that's <laughs> Right. So, so there's that. I, I think. Well, I try and just run over it. And if I glance it, I've took it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I'm thinking: this, this is all going through me. Oh, so the decision is just to, to, blast it. Seaman makes a save. It's on target. There. Seaman has to make a save. And they go up. And Gaza scores the wonder goal.
2: But when you talk about, um... <sighs> yeah, thanks, guys. That was probably Yuri as well. Um, when you talk about muscle memory and penalties, I, I mean, I genuinely was intrigued I, I don't want to hammer a theme but I'm also, I'm into it now because Michael Carrick was talking about Moscow and, and the tension and, and what was going on in his head and how he decided to run up to it and, mm-hmm. and get there quickly and what he decided to do and the, what he felt like when it went in and on mm-hmm. and on and on and then Dr. Geiske Mendiator who, who until he came to England and even then he only missed like one just didn't miss Mm -hmm. and scored and scored and scored he did a Dennis Irwin but he did a Dennis Irwin at the Bernabeu and he did it for Spain and whatever and you know I'm I'm into understanding I've always disagreed with people who say particularly coaches say well it it doesn't matter how much you practice the tension is that okay the tension and the crowd changes things Mm -hmm. but it does matter how much you practice because if you're worried about your technique and then there's the pressure on top of it, yeah. there's a bigger chance you're going to miss. Because
1: I, I, I'm, I totally agree, and, I, and I, that goes with free kicks. It goes with, you know, I would, I would put the same th- in the same bracket and, you know, come, come the last minute and the ball breaks nicely to you in your centre. You see the centre forward at the corner of your eye. If you've hit two or three hundred balls across the training field, yeah. diagonals, that last minute and it comes and lands and you just drop it there. That's because you've practiced. You don't this, you know, that's just no natural. That's something that you've actually put yourself in. And because you know, the pressure's on, but you know you can hit it. So mm. you're confident you can just
2: go boom. I think it's one less thing you're thinking about too. Mm. in that a, distribution, natural you're talking movement. about when there's somebody you're aiming at rather than aiming at a net
1: mm-hmm.
2: you can look at um, you can think you can start to think about where's the wind, what's the drift, does this keeper like to come for it? Is is, is Lee somebody who goes front push or back push even whatever there's loads, your of, mind. there's loads of stuff. You're not thinking about your foot you know, in the bottom.
1: This, this is something, again, that I just... that, that Me, in over, you know, over the years of playing football and, and playing golf, You know, hitting a one iron into the wind is a different trajectory. You know, If you're playing into the wind in a football patch, you're going to have to hit it differently. If you set it up, it'll just balloon. So there's, there's that sort of punch drive mm-hmm. which you would, it's like an old Scottish shot on a links, on a links course. course. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, there's, there's so many little things that go through your mind, and, and again you're getting little bits of visualization of seeing it, seeing the pass, and seeing how it, how you want to hit it. There's loads of things going in your mind. My my penalty kick taking technique was I copied Glenn Hoddle. I sort of bent my run up so I would go away and, and arrive at the ball at an angle, and, and I favoured high up into the keeper's left. That would be my stop penalty. So I don't remember. to
2: your right to the
1: keeper's yeah, left. the keeper's left. But then if the keeper went, went early, I would just simply wrap my foot around it and go low into the other corner. Did you ever
2: loft it? Did you ever panenka it? Never did that. Never. Mm-hmm. That takes a bit. I remember that when, when, when I was growing up watching all this, <clears throat> after panenka did it, which we, the whole world went mad particularly because they beat mm. Germany, which I was testing carb deals on. It was years and years and years till people started trying it.
1: I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could <laughs> ever do it just the consequences to your teammates if
2: you yeah. if you miss it seems worse if you miss that one does it oh absolutely well, what was your dad's accent like
0: it wasn't as strong I think because he came down from Nairn to be a minor when he was 17 he left the family home to try and put money on the, on the table for his mum and dad um, so by the time I was growing up he, he, he obviously he, he had it but it wasn't as strong uh, tough man six foot four hard as you like um, worked really hard um, he was a cricket man more than football Rangers was his sort of his team but he wasn't overly obsessed with football but you know adored him for, for, for what he was but he was tough um, and I only ever seen him cry once in the whole of my life I've seen him cry once and it was at Wembley when I scored the winner huh. and and um, I said, are you all right, Dad? And he's, yeah. I'm like, Tears just coming, eyes red. Wasn't yeah. sobbing, wasn't like bawling because yeah. he wouldn't allow himself to no. bawl. But easily just the, the, the most standout moment in my life seeing the old man having a tear.
2: And so he's at Wembley. And for those um, who, who don't remember, it's 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotland have got to the verge of a tournament. Yeah, um, Having been at the World Cup the year before, So and and for umpteen prior to that from '74 onwards, Um, and my memory is that Scotland played quite well at Hamden in the first leg of that, and played really well. Got picked off by a a gem of a player, incredible goals. Yeah, but. before you even talk, to, talk about your dad being at Wembley, what was, the, what, what was the challenge to you about going down to Wembley? You'd, you'd always considered, yep. apart from who you played for, you'd always considered always, yourself Scottish? Always. All my pictures of, of
0: being a kid's in the Scotland Strip. Uh, I've got a lovely picture of me and my dad are at Butlins and he's standing there with a big, as we mentioned, Graham Sooner's you know, big sort of handlebar moustache and I'm sitting there with my blue Scotland top on and I, 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 I never wanted to play for anyone else.
2: So when you're heading down to Wembley, there's a lot riding on it that's beyond the professional, It's beyond the bonuses, that's beyond qualifying for the Mm. European Championship. There's a a national pride fired in you uh, since a child. Um, Was it always the case that your dad went? um, At what point when you arrive at a game like that Wembley one where you just cut off and think you you forget that your family or your friends are there and watching?
0: Yeah, no, footballers are very... um, Once you get your tickets and you know who who you're leaving them for is the process is quite simple. Before the game, four t- four tickets, Douglas Hutchison's picking them up, left by Don Hutchison, put them in an envelope, give them to the secretary, forgot straight away who's coming. That's it. The, some of the most stressful thing for footballers, and even modern-day footballers, I would agree, is sorting out tickets, um, who's coming, family, friends, where they're sitting... Are they, in the, are they in the seats OK? Have they got lounge tickets for before and after? And once you get that, oil, all that, that migraine off your head mm. and that's dealt with, because mm. that's just an annoyance for footballers, mm. having these little things to deal with, apart from in your little selfish bubble, the game's the most important thing, yeah. which will always be. But make sure they're taken care of once the tickets are picked up,
2: done. Was it one of the best performances of your career that night at Wembley? Goal aside... Mm. You you played really. It, 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 looking back at the footage, Scotland as a team with you at the linchpin was using the ball well, yeah. very organised, very confident. A step on, never mind the scoreline from the Saturday as mm. well. Just Wembley, so what? Yeah. Premier League players, so what? It, yeah. it looks it like. Felt, you know. it, it felt like I've always enjoyed
0: um, being in the Lions' den. You know, whether played for Sunderland against Newcastle St James's Park, scoring a goal, which I'm a Newcastle fan. Um, having played for Everton and Liverpool and Merseyside derbies for both sides being born in England playing for Scotland I've never done anything the conventional way <laughs> it's always been against the grain um, but secretly that's, that's, that used to fire me up I remember, I remember um, and going back to the early game where you mentioned at Hamden, we competed quite well there was nothing much in the game Paul skulles's got a couple of headers which was ludicrous really because we'd done all the prep on You know, people like Tony Adams, people like Martin Kieran, people like Alan Shearer, people like Paul Ince, all coming in the box from wide free kicks and corners down to every single detail. And no one had Paul Scholes arriving in the box. We had him on either taking free kicks or being on the edge of the 18-yard box for headers coming out and and taking shots at target. Uh, And he scored a couple of goals and there was ructions going on in the dressing room who was picking them up and no one literally had a clue but I can remember clear as day being um, standing at Wembley, England to one side, Scotland to the other, and the national anthems were going. And when the when the Scottish nas- national anthem went off, the, not abuse, but the booze inside the stadium was so loud, it can either make you sink or go, this is what football's all about. Yeah, and, and I always hadn't had that in my belly. The, the, the tougher the task, the harder the environment, I'd like to think that's what got me going and I played it probably my best. I'll show you. Yes, exactly that. And I've not seen the the game for for quite a number of years, Um, but whenever I see it and and my memories of the game was every single Scottish player in that eleven outplayed the English Mm -hmm. in every department, wherever you want to look. It felt that way. it, It felt that way. Alan Shearer and Michael Owen never got a kick. David Beckham never got a kick. Uh, Barry Ferguson and John Collins dominated, I think, was Paul Scholes and, um, and Paul Ince. Um, me and, 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 and Billy Dodds, he was the legs. And I come into that little pocket where, because I couldn't run in behind anymore, wasn't a cross-country anymore, I was now starting to get more of a tactical brain and being a bit more cute, and my first touch was always pretty decent. And I was just getting into them pockets where um, Tony Adams and, and Gareth Southgate on the night didn't want to be in. They, 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 they missed Martin Keown massively.
2: Where was the stepladder? Have you ever jumped that high? What do you mean? Wembley. No. Is, is that the highest you've ever jumped ever. in your career? Ever. <laughs>
0: again, I think it's just, It was a big jump. It, it was just ridiculous because things, things happen in football every now and again when you're at your, at your peak. And you see things coming an absolute mile off. Wow. And we kept hold of the ball and... The passage of play was brilliant. Um, Neil McCann got played in down the left-hand side. And Neil was a very good cross of the ball. He, 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 he never really whipped them hard and low. He always had a, an appreciation for, if it was Billy Dodds going to the near post, he'd whip it in hard and low because Billy probably wasn't as good as what I was in the air. Likewise, if he saw me in the box, he wouldn't try and drill one hard and low. He'd stand it up for me. And as he stood the ball quite deep towards the corner flag, I had so much time to judge the flight of it. And that's probably where, again, you see the vision. Mm-hmm. And, I, again, I'll, I'll use it in, in my mate's Einstein terms of, of judging the, the trajectory of the cross and how much pace is on it. And it was floated beautifully. And all I had to do, I say all I had to do, was just make sure the timing of my jump was on. Because mm-hmm. I knew I had the run on Tony Adams. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it was one of them where I don't know if it's adrenaline I don't know what it is but it was easily the highest I've ever jumped the timing was brilliant it wasn't the strongest ahead of us um, Billy Dodds trying to nick it as it was going over the line which <laughs> I would have been fuming and my boy always claims it was, a, it was an own goal and I went what own no. goal he went David Seaman should have saved that technically it's an own goal by the keeper he just doesn't want to give me
2: any credit no 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 it's, no. it's not I know. it's a
0: thing of absolute towering beauty yeah and uh, easily probably the biggest thing that's ever happened in my life
2: and your dad was there yeah